Amen. A month ago, I was uh, preparing this sermon, and uh, God led me to John chapter 1. And as I began to prepare, I told Deshni, this is what the Lord has called me to preach on, on this day. Uh, and then last week, I knew, I, I knew the videos were being made, but I did not know the scripture that they were reading. And so last week, uh, at the concert, and they read John chapter 1, I just like, uh, I just grabbed, uh, grabbed a leg and said, oh, so, wow. She said, oh, why are you so surprised? Um, uh, <laughs> anyway, um, and I said, man, so that was our scripture reading. Thank you so much. And let's stand and make a joyful noise. Just three cheers. I want you to join me and standing. Welcome those, all of you online. I want you to cheer as well. Let's go on. Let's give a loud cheer to our music team. Also, to all our serve teams broadcast, uh, led by Bobby Taylor, uh, Dakota Hill, John Tanner for last week's concert. Let's make a joyful noise and praise God. Amen. Amen. Wow. You already beat the first service. You already beat the first service. Second year, our pastor and his sweet wife, Miss Liz, celebrated 45 years of marriage yesterday. Let's make a joyful noise about that. Amen. Hey, and the loudest of us all, let's make a joyful noise for King Jesus. Amen. Yeah, buddy. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. May be seated. Thank you, may be seated. Now take that same cheer and go for a UWF basketball game. They will uh, do that. We're so glad that you are here joining us today. John chapter 1 is a very interesting passage of Scripture, and I, I pray that you have a copy of God's Word turn into uh, that gospel. Well, I was listening to one of my friends uh, preach, and he told a story. He told a story of a couple uh, more so in, uh, in the twilight years and uh, retired. And uh, so they were in, in the center of a very busy shopping mall, as many of us will head there this week, or maybe already have. And as they were in the middle uh, of the shopping mall, you know, buying uh, gifts for their grandkids, uh, the wife turns to her side and she sees her husband is missing. What happened to him? So she pulled up a phone and uh, she called him. And she said, honey, where are you? We have things to do. And there was a slight pause, you know, and, uh, and the husband said, uh, well, babe, uh, you remember 56 years ago? You know, we were so broke, and we were walking around this very same shopping mall. She said, uh-huh. And you remember walking into that fine jewelry store? And when you walked in and you looked at that diamond necklace and you loved it so much, uh-huh. And you remember I made like a half joke and I told you, one day I'll do whatever it takes and I will buy you that diamond necklace as emotions took over this lady and her, her eyes began to swell and, and, and tears you know, began to, to bubble up on the side of her eye. She said, uh-huh, and was pause. And he said, well, I'm at the gun shop right next to it. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, I don't know what you're going to get this Christmas, but I'm guaranteeing you, you are going to get Jesus, all right? You're going to get Jesus. John chapter 1 is a really exciting portion of Scripture. Whenever someone comes to know Jesus Christ, and they asked me, Sean, where should I start reading the Bible? I said, go to the book of John. 
The book of John goes straight to the heart of Jesus. The book of John answers two questions. Who is Jesus and why did he come? Who is Jesus and why did he come? And when you look at the book of John, he's writing to, about Jesus, the Messiah King. And John writes directly to the joy of the, of the Advent story, making Jesus the principal character for the entire gospel. So when you read the book of John, he dives right in and he talks about Jesus. Now, when you look at this scripture, the, 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 chapter one is so interesting. It breaks up into three very important parts of our Christian faith. He talks about creation, he talks about the fall, and he also talks about redemption. And you know scripture in John chapter 1 and verse number 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, you heard the word beginning before, and I know where your mind is going right, and rightly so. Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So we see Jesus and creation. Jesus and creation. Now, many of us grew up knowing that the Advent season starts in the manger. I want to correct that. The Advent story started in the garden. And before I go any further, you see, Jesus' first appearing was not the babe in a manger. Jesus was present in Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1, in the beginning, God. The triune God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, was very present there. Was that the first time? Uh, was, was Jesus created? No. Jesus was never created. Jesus always existed. You cannot create God. God always existed. That is why we say that he is the Alpha and the Omega. From eternity past to eternity future is I am. And that same Jesus today is not I was, is a present, indicative, active tense, I am. He still is. He still is alive. He still sits at the right hand of God the Father and is interceding on our behalf as I speak. So when you come to Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1, talk about the creation, we hear this word, Jesus is preeminent. Meaning, Jesus is the first of all things. He was never created. That means he is the first in everything. First in importance, first in honor, first in exaltation. Jesus always existed. No one created him. He came in the form of a baby lying in the manger. So why did he create all things? God created all things for his pleasure and joy. Now, I don't know what you're thinking, but I'll give you a straight-up answer. Jesus Christ came for one reason. That's because he loves you. I wish I could be more clear. He loves us, and he wants to be the king of our lives. And as you look at the book of John, but later on you go in Colossians, 
Paul writes, Colossians chapter, uh, chapter 1 and verse number 15, you come to my office, I have a big frame, these are the words. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him he holds all things together. Now I know you are here today and you're thinking, you know what, Sean? My world is falling apart. I got news for you. The same God who threw the stars into place and separated the land and the water, he has you in his palm right now. He holds you together as, and you're thinking the world is falling apart, Sean. The world is not falling apart. And you ask me, why? How do you know that? Because Jesus is alive. And as long as Jesus is alive, we have hope. As long as Jesus is alive, he is the answer. So Jesus now is coming in the form of a man. Jesus willingly gave up his heavenly status to take on the very form of man and be subject to man and then die on the cross. And if you were on Facebook right now, if Jesus was updating his status, he would say, in the manger. That's where Jesus <laughs> comes to us. That's where the, 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 the wise men first see him. As Shane Prude, our good friend, says, the word of God is pointing to the word of God. I want you to know that in the beginning was always Jesus. Nobody created Jesus for you to worship. In fact, if you look for anything and anyone outside this Bible, and you, you want to worship anyone outside this Bible, we call it an idol. Jesus always existed. Always existed. So we see Jesus very present in creation. And many of us here today, you know Ephesians 2.10 that you are a masterpiece. God created you. And if you don't like what he created, you are only insulting the creator. And perhaps there's some people who are in the room or listening online, you like the masterpiece, but you don't like the master. If you don't know the master, then you are not a masterpiece. You need to come to know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. These are exciting words now that John is writing. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. He came in, the, in bodily form. Then we see Jesus and the fall. Look at what verse number five says. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Genesis chapter two and verse number 15 and 17 has some very interesting words for us. Look at this scripture very well, and I want you to underline the last two words of chapter 17. The Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, you may surely eat every tree of the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day you eat of it you shall surely die. Underline surely die. Surely die means separation. It means separation. Now, when I read that scripture, I made a note. If God did not love, he will not warn. 
God loved us so much that he warned us. He gave us a warning. He said, hey, guys, you can eat from all, but not from that. But the word surely die. You see, that scripture does not tell us, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall be bad. If that was the case, then you can be a good person. And Jesus to you is just a good person. So to you, Jesus is just a, uh, what would you call him? A model model. A good person. Let's go back to that verse. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall be broke and poor. Wow. That means, for God so loved the world that he will give you a bucket of dollars. So if poverty was the world's problem, the answer is prosperity. And that's not the case. But Scripture teaches us, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. That means that death is destined to each one of us. After we came from Adam, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For the wage of sin is death. So the the answer, the problem there is not bad people and the answer is good people. The problem there is not poor people and the answer is rich people. The problem there is not sick people and the answer is well people. The problem there is dead people and the answer is Jesus because he is the life of the world. So Jesus Christ is coming to take care of what happened in the Garden of Eden. He gave the warning to them, and guess what Adam and Eve did? They sinned, and they began to hide from God. I'll come back to that in a minute. They began to hide from God. Not only would they, they didn't want to see God, but when they heard footsteps, they ran and hid. They died spiritually. Genesis chapter 5 and verse number 5, they died physically. And so we see what we, in, in this verse alone, that we need someone to conquer death. We need someone to conquer death. And let me tell you that the birth of Jesus Christ is an historic event. The death of Jesus Christ is an historic event. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is an historic event because people were eyewitnesses. One of them is writing to us in the Gospel of John. It was just not a religious ideal. I think that happened. Oh no, it happened. How do we know? I believe what the Bible says. Everything in the Bible, I believe. And today the Spirit of God is speaking to us. And so that's what happened. And we look at this verse. Verse number five. How sad is it? The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Darkness came into the world. In Scripture, light and darkness are very familiar symbols. You may have known this. Intellectually, light refers to biblical truth. Darkness refers to error and faults. Morally, light refers to holiness and purity, where darkness relates to sin and disobedience. Associationally, if you are in darkness and you're walking in darkness, you are more associated with the devil. But if you walk in light and life, you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So John is attacking the scripture from every angle. In the beginning, it was Jesus and creation. And then we see Jesus and the fall. After that, we see total chaos. After the fall, there was chaos beyond measure. People wanted kings. 
Then they had Saul. Then you had David, the greatest king. Then you had Solomon. And after King Solomon died, the Israel, the monarchy, descended into deep chaos. What happened? A civil war broke out. And the nation divided into two kingdoms. Israel to the north, Judah to the south. And scripture is filled with pages of those two kingdoms having evil kings and the things so far from who our God is. In fact, one king, his name was Ahaz. Ahaz was the king of the northern kingdom of Israel. Imagine this. He sacrificed his own son, burnt him alive to pagan gods. As the scripture goes on, in the Old Testament, God began to send prophets. He sent them prophets to tell his people to repent and return to the living God, and they never did. They never did. You know the prophets by name. Some of them you can pronounce, some of them I cannot pronounce. But hey, praise God. <laughs> That's why John did the beget songs. I text pastor, I said, imagine if I'm singing the beget song. He texted me back, he said, you will break the Christmas internet. That's what he said. <laughs> but this is, <laughs> this is what happened, guys. All the kings were evil. Kings have kingdoms, and kingdoms lead people. So evil kings were leading people to evil. And God is sending prophets, and they never want to repent of the sin. This is what happened. 700 BC, what happened? We see the northern kingdom of Israel is invaded by the Assyrian Empire, conquered them, took them as captives. Judah saying, well, we made it. No, 586 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar came from the Babylonian Empire, and he conquered Judah. The last recorded king we read in the Old Testament, was a king that they put a ring around his nose, a chain around him, and dragged him to King Nebuchadnezzar's table. It was, he was eating at the king's table. It was more of an insult and embarrassment to the nation of Israel and Judah. Years passed. The Persian Empire comes. They defeated the Babylonian Empire. Years has passed. Then the Greeks came. The Greeks came and they uh, overthrew the Persians. And then the mighty Romans came. The Romans conquered the Persians. For 600 years, Israel never managed to reestablish her independence or her throne. They were ruled by evil kings to their extreme measure. Read about it in the book of Daniel. It got darker and darker and darker, and then King Jesus is born. The throne of David, the Davidic throne, was empty for 600 years. Israel lost their way. But look at this birth of a king. Very few times you ever hear a baby is born a king. You always hear a baby is born a prince. But this baby is no ordinary baby. This baby, his name is King Jesus. And every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So 600 years of utter silence, 
And God, is, is, his heart is breaking, ripped apart to see his very own people that he has created and said, it is very good. Rip the heart of God by the choosing of the decisions that they make and the gods that they were following. Here comes King Jesus. Now when you look at the story in the manger and building up to it, shepherds were watching the sheep by night. Listen what the angels have said to the shepherds. The first words as angels said, fear not, right? Fear not. Why he say fear not? Fear not because hope and joy has arrived. Now, I want you to live in that 600 years for a second. God is not happy with his people. Whenever God spoke, he dealt with them. Now, after 600 years, he's speaking, and maybe God is speaking to you right now, and he wants to deal with you. But fear not. Hope and joy has arrived. Fear not, glad tidings I bring. Fear not, you now, like Adam and Eve, don't have to hide behind trees. You can come and be close to the King of Kings. That's invitation. You see, my friends seated in this room and watching online, you cannot worship Jesus from afar you got to come to the light of the world and lean towards baby King Jesus this Christmas season. Many of you are worshiping Jesus from the shadows. Whenever Jesus speaks, you hide behind trees. Today I tell you, fear not. Your deepest pain, your greatest sin, Jesus is willing and is always, always willing to forgive you. Fear not. You know, when I was a kid in South Africa, I had to watch WWF. Now it's WWE, right? Yeah, uh, I confess I was a wrestling fan, all right? So one of the dreams uh, that America crushed for me, they told me it is fake. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. The second dream <laughs> that it really, I love Indiana Jones. I went to Hollywood, they, it's in a studio. I'm like, come on, guys. I thought you were in a jungle somewhere. Anyway, <laughs> I was excited when the music was playing, and my wrestler was coming down, buddy. I was pumped, he is here, you know, Al Hogan, he's here. I got somebody greater than Al Hogan. His name is Jesus Christ. The king is here. And guess what the king does? He's sovereign. And he wants your loyalty. That's right. The king is sovereign and he wants your lo loyalty. So that you see Jesus in creation and you see Jesus' heart was broken in the fall. Now we see Jesus and redemption. The king has come. So there's one reason that Jesus is entering now. He came as a claimant to the throne. That's his throne. He has come to claim it. And let nobody stand in his way. No religious people can stand in his way. He has come to sit on his throne. The rightful king is here. He came to dwell amongst us in verse number 14. In the Old Testament, we read of the word tabernacle, where the glory of the Lord dwelt amongst his people. The Jewish crowd that John is writing to and listening there, they know very well 
all this language. They know about the tabernacle because it speaks about it in the Old Testament. Now it says, how dare you? How dare you say this man is coming to dwell amongst us? The king and his disciples. So imagine Palm Sunday. This Jesus is making claims about himself. Jesus is teaching. And the people said, you are teaching with a man full of authority. Jesus is teaching. Jesus is saying, you uh, destroyed his temple in three days, I'll rise it again. What? You're insulting our fathers. Jesus also says, I and the father are one. Oh, hang on now. If you say that, no average Jewish man can go around saying he and the father are one. We kill people like you. Jesus came and he was making those claims because Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So imagine the disciples on, on Palm Sunday. Jesus is riding into Jerusalem on a donkey and the disciples saying, we got our king finally. I can't wait to put the crown on, on King Jesus' head. Five days later, they killed him. Like what the Romans do. They will kill any wannabe Messiah. They kill him. All hope is dashed. All hope is crumbled. But let me hear amen, my brothers and sisters in the house today. After every Saturday, there is a Sunday. Can I get an amen? That's why Jesus came. He came to save you and I. Because Jesus always promises and he always performs and if you're holding on to God today for a promise he will always perform hold on he promised that he would come and he came he, he came just as he said he would come the newborn's cry pierced the midnight sky infinite became finite the invisible became visible the logos word became sight the supernatural reduced himself to the natural the ancient of days stepped into time he came full of compassion and power to do what we could never do give glory to the father this king is asking for your loyalty today. This king is asking you to get up out of the throne in your heart and place him there today. This king wants to be the first word you pronounce out of your mouth. This king is calling you to bow today. He came in the form of a baby lying in the manger. The word became flesh. No king was anointed with such power. No prophet was anointed with such wisdom. No teacher or priest was anointed with such grace. John chapter 3 and verse number 34 said, he had overflowing grace. Empowered without measure. That's a fullness of grace. You know, when I get to heaven, I'm going to talk to, uh, to John. After that powerful verse, and there was a man sent from John. I mean, John the Baptist. I mean, somebody do an audition. If you see the description of this man, he's like, he does not fit in the story. <laughs> All right? Camel hair, leather belt, eating locusts and honey. I mean, <laughs> he 
he's announcing, he's a forerunner. What John the Baptist was, the best man for Jesus. He was not taking all the glory. He was just the best man standing in place. One of my favorite verses of all time, John chapter 1, verse 29. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This King is here. Do you know what that means? This is what it means. You can stop trying to be good. That's what it means. I've got news for you. You want to be good? Bad news, you can't be good. None of us can be good. That's why all of us need Jesus. Because He is good and perfect. He came to give glory to the Father. When God created us, He said, oh, that's very good. But we messed up. And we can look back at this nation of Israel and say, what evil people? Well, look at ourselves. So not only we see Jesus in creation, Jesus in the fall, Jesus in redemption, but what about Jesus and me? This Christmas season, what about Jesus and me? Who is Jesus to you? Is he dwelling in your heart, in your life? Or is he just another person? Because let me tell you, my friend, if you see Jesus as a carpenter, this is just a paraphrase, my paraphrase. If you see Jesus as a carpenter, he'll fix your house. If you see Jesus as a savior, he'll fix your world. And many of us here today, Jesus is just a handyman, and we'll call him, and he'll put duct tape, and you'll be happy. But the greater problem is, you still want to sit on the throne of your heart. I've got news for you, that seat is not for you. Is for Jesus. And he has come to take his rightful place. Our team in my office is reading a book called Caring for One Another, written by Edward Welch. And this is what he says, and I quote, kings receive people. They consent to give you five-minute audience, then off you go. Kings do not show up at your home and go out of the way to help you. But everything changes when King Jesus comes. The king leaves the palace precincts and finds you. That's what King Jesus did, and he's still doing. You see, you just cannot barge into a kingdom and talk to a king. But this king is no ordinary king. The king of kings and the lord of lords came down because now he's not only the king for the Jews, he's king for the Gentiles and for the whole world. He bids you come and have a right standing relationship with King Jesus. I mean, guys, I'm not pushing it here, but if you believe in King Jesus, you royalty. Come on. Who doesn't want royalty? Oh, there's an amen. <laughs> Royal blood flows through your veins when Jesus is king. You hear what I say? He has a place prepared for us, and I can't wait to go. But until the time I meet him face to face, I will tell everybody that comes in contact with me that Jesus is the king of the world. This baby who threw the stars into place, that same hands was pierced so that you and I 
can come out of hiding behind those trees, feeling naked. And you can come back and walk with God. That's all he wanted in Genesis. He does not want your money. Come on. He doesn't want anything from you. He just wants to walk with you. Why have you went and created a God who wants so much more and give you nothing? He just wants to walk with you, guys. He just wants to walk with you and lead you into eternity. That's why Jesus Christ came. The king is here. And I'm afraid today, all we have is a decision for Christ and no delight in Christ. And if you have no delight in Christ, you have not Christ. Because everyone in this book who met Jesus, their lives were changed. And if all you were holding on to, well, I have a decision. And if you have no joy, no delight in Jesus, he's not your Jesus. You like the idea of that Jesus, but he's not the king of your life. As John comes today, I'm asking you today, is he your savior? Is he your Lord? Is this Jesus, the creator of the universe, who made you into a masterpiece, came to die for you, came to live the life that you could not live, and also paid the price, was spat upon, left heaven's throne, and came, lived a life among sinful men. What kind of king is this? I'll tell you what he is. He's a king full of compassion. Because the New Testament writers write about Jesus, and when he saw the crowds, he had compassion with them. And he saw the multitude, he had compassion over them. And he saw the beggar, he had compassion over him. And today, he has compassion over you. Passion. What kind of king is this? The real king. The king of kings. And the lord of lords. This Christmas season, there's some people coming around your table you don't want around your table. Only Jesus can help you. Can I get an amen? <laughs> you bunch of sinners. Anyway. <laughs> in your family, is shattering. You're holding on. Hold on to King Jesus. In school, when people are trashing Jesus and all he is is a cuss word in your office, hold on to Jesus. Hold on to Jesus because he'll hold on to you. So this Christmas season, I'm asking you today, is Jesus the Lord and King of your life? Or is he just an idea to you? Just a story. Jesus is more than a figurine lying in the manger in your home. He demands your loyalty. So talk about the gospel. In today's culture, people ask me all the time, so how do you do evangelism, Sean? I said, evangelism is done by talking about Jesus. There's no other way. You've got to talk about him. You've got to talk about him. If Jesus is the center of your life, the only way the people that's closest to you, your family, your co-workers, the only, no, only way they will not know Jesus is if you hide who you are. So come out of hiding. The king is here. 
fear not. He demands our loyalty. What a mighty God we serve. Let's stand all over this place and you watching online. Won't you just give time, special time at this time. John is going to lead us. I'm here waiting to meet you. Now my friends are here waiting to meet you. All I'm asking is, guys, don't make this Christmas be just another day, another story about Jesus. Make this Christmas about Jesus and me. I've been praying at this altar today, and I've been praying for you. And I'm asking you today, I cannot explain grace. My words cannot explain grace. But one thing I do tell you, when you meet grace, you will never be the same person again. Let's come find grace. Let's bow every one of us in this room. John is going to lead us. Let's make Jesus the king in our presence today. Hail King Jesus.